Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Yes. I hope you had a better night than me. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, we've had an awesome weekend. I just want to say thank you so much. I loved it. It's like just... Uh, um, I just love what the Lord is doing. So I'm so excited. I, I feel like we're not done. Well, we're not, but I really feel like we're not done. But I know we are. But it's just there's something rich about this season and about what He's depositing. So I really hope that... Um, yeah, that we all got something out of it. I feel challenged every time. So just know when I preach this stuff, it challenges me. It's not like I'm going, oh, I've got this. Uh, I don't, you know. So, so that's the awesome part about the Word. It's so alive. And yeah, but just thank you for an amazing weekend. Thank you for your hunger. Thank you for uh, still inviting me. <laughs> really appreciate that. And um, so I wanted to, what I want to share with you this morning, I really feel like uh, it comes out of a dream, so I just want to give you a bit of a backdrop. And so I've been sharing it in some places, not everywhere. So, and I know before I came, I knew it's something that needs to be released here as well. And I think it fits into your whole ninth year and just the season where you're at and what the Lord is doing. So, so it's, it's for everybody, of course, but, but I do feel like the whole world, word is like for you as a church as well. And, and I hope that really stirs your heart a little bit and just encourages you on the direction you're already going. Um, like I mentioned yesterday, there's a couple of things about the number nine already that we spoke about. It's finality. And I actually thought, if you don't mind, you and your, your, like your leadership team, if you could stand in front. That would be cool. That's okay. The pastors, yeah. In that case, you can sit down. It's awkward. Just sit down. And just... <laughs> I was waiting for this whole team. Anyway. So, but I want to share it to you and your team. So, so the number nine, like I said, it speaks of finality. So it's a, it's, it's, and what I saw when I prayed for you guys, I literally felt like it's a, a sand, a line that's being drawn in the, the sand of time. And it's like the Lord says that, that things that's happened, it's almost like there's a, there's a stop almost about an offspin of things that happened in the past. And I feel how the Lord settles things in this season for you. And it's like certain things has been buried with the Lord. Like nine is the number of crucifixion as well when it's on the ninth hour. So I feel like certain things the Lord has put to bed in the spirit, certain things that was happening, being said, whatever. It's like the Lord laid that thing to rest. There's a finality about stuff. There's a finality about a season that the Lord is bringing about. And the, the, the number nine is also the, the number of the tribe of Issachar, right? So Issachar was an interesting tribe, but Issachar, it said of them that First uh, Chronicles 12, 32, it says that they had understanding and discernment of times and seasons. And what I feel like the Lord is wanting to give you, and yes, it's you, but I really feel team. That's why I wanted to team. It's team, team, team. That's the thing that I'm seeing because I'm going to get to you in a minute. But I feel like there's a, a, 
strategic anointing that's going to come on your team to navigate the seasons of the Lord well. And it's, and it's, it's about the rest of the Lord. It's like it's going to be more clear. It's going to be easier a little bit. It's almost going to be less, but less is more. It's, it's kind of that thing that the Lord is going to take you into. And it is, there's blueprints that He wants to give you. Like you've planted, I think there's three churches that's been planted out of this one up to this season, which is also again in the nine thing. But I feel like God is about to set you up with a different strategy, even with how you guys plant. I literally feel like the Lord's going to change it up. Another thing about Issachar is when, and this was the interesting one, JC, to me, is when um, Jacob prophesied over Issachar, over all the 12 tribes in uh, Genesis 40, uh, 49. It's a strange verse, so I'm going to read it to you because I just want to touch on it real quick. It's verse 14 and 15. It's a very strange way it says it, but it says, Jacob said to his ninth son, Issachar, Issachar is a raw-boned donkey. <laughs> 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 it is a compliment. We are coming to the, like I said, it's a super strange verse. And I read it over and over. I'm like, man, what is it saying? And I actually feel it's so awesome. He's a raw boned donkey lying down among the sheep pens. When he sees how good is his resting place and how pleasant is his land, he will bend his shoulder to the burden and submit to the labor of the Lord. So, it's literally what I felt is like you guys and the raw bone donkey, it speaks of power actually. It speaks of strength and a hard worker. A donkey is a hard worker. And the donkey was more royal in biblical times than it is now, you know. So there was actually a bit of royalty to it. And, and I felt like the Lord is saying to you that he's seen your works. He's seen how you've poured everything into this thing. And then it says, and you will lay down at the sheep. And what that was about, they literally said the donkey lies down and he lets the burden go. He lets the burden go. And suddenly he sees the land and he sees how good the land is. And he enters into rest, but also forced labor. Now that sounds very strange, but what it means is we, it's a bond servant. I only do what I hear the Lord is saying. Nothing else, nothing, nothing else. And I see in that there's a lot of fruit that's going to start producing. So it's interesting that you're on the land at the moment and, and kind of part of it. He sees the good land and he goes, you know, I'm going to enter into rest. And I feel that's it. It's a physical thing, but it's also a spiritual thing about vision. Like God is increasing your vision and you're going to see it clear. And something about it's actually going to produce, it's going to be, it's rest. The burdens are being thrown off of the past, like burdens are being removed. And what I felt for you, and it's a strange word maybe, but I, like the other day we were just talking and the next minute I felt the Lord say it to me like, um, He's moving you, and it's not because you want it. It's, it's not about that, but it's a strange thing. But I, I kept seeing how people respect you, right? But, some, but the Lord is going to put honor on you in this season, okay? So it's like in the past, people would, they would respect you, but honor is a much deeper thing. And honor is, there is an honor for the anointing on your life, that is going to come outside of the church walls. Um, I did mention it to you. I think your suitcases, you need to pack, you know, get ready. It's not that you're going to leave here. That's not what it's about. But I just see how you start exporting a lot more what the Lord is giving you guys. But there's honor coming. Even here, I see honor is coming. Right? This is honor your father and your mother, and then you will have a long and prosperous life. And what the honor does, it's actually going to increase the flow of the Lord over your congregation. It's not a weird thing. I'm not, 
I'm not one of the, just let me just add this, I'm not one of those guys that think that the lead, you know, that's not the way I function at all. I just know when you honor, something is released in your own life, right? And honor, obviously we all have mistakes, me included a lot, but honor actually unlocks something in your life, right? But the Lord wants to put honor on you and it's going to be a different season. I literally see it's, it's, it's just a different kind of a thing that happens around you. Because he's setting you up to, to, to sit among big names, big leaders, big, you know, influen- influential people. And that honor, that dignity that he places on you is going to make people go, okay, I want to listen to this guy. So it's just what I felt for you guys this morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've been, I've been kind of looking throughout scripture over the last couple of months Looking for the outpouring, outpouring. What is it, you know, like, because the Lord says a couple of times, I will pour out my spirit, you know, I will do, you know. And so for me, those are always uh, massively important words, you know, because anointing is awesome, but outpouring is something completely different, right? I love it when somebody with a beautiful anointing walks into the room and it blesses us. That's amazing. But outpouring is something bigger than anointing, okay? That's something greater. That impacts a city. That impacts a region. And... Um, so the outpour, I'm still studying, but the ones I'm seeing is like, obviously the Acts 2 outpouring, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, right? So that's a revival breakout. That's, that's what it is. Like suddenly a city hears a sound and 3,000 people rush in and get born again on the, you know, on the day of Pentecost. That's, that's something completely different. By the way, Jesus is alive. Amen? Yes? Yeah. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Isn't that awesome? <laughs> anyway, so yay. And um, if it wasn't for him, there would be no outpouring. So that's important, all right? Um, so that's the one. The other one, what I actually seen, it's interesting, but it's in the area of finances. It's Malachi 3. He says, well, if, if you bring to the house, if you sow, will I not rip the heavens open over you? That's another outpouring, right? So it's interesting. There's this outpouring of provision, outpouring of prosperity, um, which is kind of interesting to, to see. But the other one that's intriguing me at the moment is in Zechariah 12, verse 10. So you can quickly page there with me. So, um, so I'm trying to bring the weekend together and push you into what I feel he's going to do. JC summed it up beautifully last night. He's been working in us, right? It's like an internal infilling. That's what we've been having. So today I hope for that external outpouring a little bit in, in Jesus' name, all right? So Zechariah 12, 10, like I've struggled to be getting off of this verse for a while. It says, I will pour out on the house of David and on the people of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and intercession. Let's just park there for a minute, right? So God is going and he's prophesying and he's saying stuff and he's saying, I'm going to pour out, outpouring, say outpouring, right? Say outpouring. Outpouring. There's an outpouring of grace and intercession that he's going to do on the body of Christ, right? That's what he's saying. That's what we've been kind of talking about this whole week. And I'm going to pour out a spirit of, interesting enough, grace, right? Grace. Grace. Because often with intercessors, you see intercession and not a lot of grace, right? Intercession has been hurt a little bit in the body. And I'm going to say it with great love and respect, but there's often been this older tannies or whims that are the intercessor people in the church. 
And then sometimes they're really just a little bit weird. I don't know why, but it's just, they are just strange in their being. And they're angry, and they're upset the whole time, and I don't know, right? And then I look at them and I go, I don't think that's fun. I don't want to do that, right? <laughs> at least they've been praying, so thank you for that. I'm serious. It's better than others. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's, it's, become, it's, it's become kind of like a curse word in church, almost, intercession. It's become like a little bit of a bad thing. And then there's the other problem that I have is where people say, but I have the intercession ministry. Well, we all have the intercession ministry. Okay? There's no fivefold intercessor. It's, you know, we're all called to intercession. We maybe just don't do it, right? That's a problem. But so what's interesting to me about this is how it's combined with grace. So grace means favor. It means empowerment, okay? So there's empowerment. First, there's the empowerment of the Lord. That's going to be the first outpouring and intercession, which is amazing because I just, when I was thinking about this uh, during the conference, I thought, Lord, I, I need a, a fresh measure of grace to fulfill the vision that you've given me. Okay? I don't know if you kind of feel like that. Every, every now and again, I think of what I feel he's saying, and I'm thinking, boy, I need grace. I need a fresh outpouring of grace so that I can do what he's shown me to do. Right? Otherwise, we're, we're going to fail miserably. So that outpouring of grace is massive, but that outpouring of grace is, is about an understanding of who we are. It's about understanding what He wants to do in this season, in this hour. It's also, it means it's not intercession or prayer or seeking the Lord or missions or what. I'm going to talk about intercessor now. Out of the place of works. Okay? It's, it's works is going to kill us in this season because we are really good at works. But when God's grace is on something, that means you're in rest. Okay, we talk about rest a lot in church. But the best description I heard of it the other day is exactly that, is rest, because like we personally, we're with all our hearts really trying to stay in rest this year, because that's what the Lord spoke to us about. Now you go, oh, so that means you're doing nothing. No, you should see my schedule. Right? I'm busier than I've been in the past, which is crazy, but I'm in more rest than I've been in the past. Why? Because I'm, opening the open, I'm following the open door. That's the difference. I'm following where grace is moving. I'm not kicking down anything. Right? I'm, I'm, that's rest. I'm just going, okay, where is it open? There we go. If it's not happening, it's not happening. I don't have to kick it down. Right? That is rest. So grace opens doors. Grace actually shows the path. Is where do I feel grace in this season, right? And there I follow, okay? Because that's the Lord's unction to us. It's that outpouring of grace. Then he goes on, uh, obviously, the spirit of intercession. I just want to say something. Isaiah, um, famous verse, Isaiah 59, 16, he says, He saw that there was no man and was amazed that there was no one to intercede Therefore, his own arm brought salvation to him, and his own righteousness sustained him. Right? So it's like God is standing on the pavilion of heaven, and he's looking on the earth, and he's saying, there's no intercessor. Where, where are they? Right? There's no one that's going to stand in the gap. And that's not just about prayer. That's about healing. That's about winning souls. 
That's about church planting. That's about starting kingdom businesses. That's about raising kingdom families, setting up kingdom marriages, right? Is there no one that's going to stand in the gap and show the world what godly marriage looks like? Because that's an intercessor. It's, it's you stand in a position and you show the opposite of what the world is doing. So you become the righteous right hand of the Lord's salvation in a season. That's what an intercessor is. An intercessor feels the burden of the Lord for something, and he becomes the right hand of the Lord's salvation. In this situation, there was no intercessor, and he said, don't worry, I'll do it myself. What is that referencing to? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only beloved son that whoever might believe shall have eternal life. That's the intercessor right there. It's Jesus. It's the righteous right hand of God that broke into the world and opened his arm up and said, this is the way to salvation. I'm the one that will intercede for you. That's an intercessor. An intercessor is a revivalist. Right? An intercessor is somebody that stands in a place where it's spiritually dry, dark, and weary, and they are the one that connect with God. They feel the burden of the Lord they feel the heart of God and they seek Him out of this place of grace and suddenly they become those who change the spiritual atmosphere wherever they go. John the Baptist was an intercessor, right? By the way, I feel like there's going to be more John the Baptists in this season. Weird people... <laughs> This is what I want to say. I, like sometimes you look and you go, I don't know if I make sense in this world around me. And that's how John felt. It's like, I don't get me completely. I get what I'm doing. You know, I think that's what John felt. Like I'm sitting in the wilderness and I'm eating grasshoppers and to me it feels very normal, but to everybody else they think I'm weird. I feel it's devotion. They think I'm a lunatic, Right? <laughs> I'm wearing camel's clothes and everybody thinks I'm a nutcase, but I feel at ease because I'm with God. You know? And yet that weirdness, differentness, whatever you want to call it, that's what drew crowds out of cities into a desert to listen to this crazy prophet with a horrible message. Like... The axe is against the root. You're all going into the fire, you brood of vipers. Horrible message, yet they're streaming to him. Why? Because it was God's intercession in that hour. That's what it was. It was his salvation that showed to people, hey, get back to God. Prepare a way, the Lord is coming. Prepare a way, the Lord is coming. Right? There's John the Baptist being raised up in this hour. going to speak out against what's happening in the world around us. They're not going to be quiet. They will take on the kings and they might lose their head, but they're going to see the glory of the Lord. They will prepare a way for it, right? So it's, it's the salvation of the Lord. Intercession is never about an angry God and we're trying to turn his arm to do what we ask because he's so upset, but we're so gracious. Did you hear me? 
That's how we pray sometimes. We are so much more gracious than you, Lord. So, Lord, would you please say these poor people, that's very so miserable. Obviously, you're not seeing because I'm so much more gracious than you. That's kind of the way we approach prayer. Like, we love them so much more than you do. You know, so obviously, you're not seeing this. Please save the poor thing, Lord. <laughs> that's the wrong way of seeing it. It's not an angry God, and now we need to convince him that, listen, there's a better way. It's a loving, passionate God that's looking for somebody that can become the righteous right hand. And the way you become it is through the burden of prayer that sits on your heart and something goes, this is the Lord. This is what we need. I'm sitting with David Hogan in a car one day in Mexico, and we're driving, and he's shaka ba ba praying in tongues, and the Bible is on the whole time, and we just come back from a service, and he's just praying, going in tongues, and oh, we're driving Mexican roads, it's wild, you know, with his big voice, and, and anyway, so you're already intimidated just by David, now you're in Mexico with all the stuff going on, and he's just like, oh, those guys are cartel, I'm like, okay, awesome, you know, and um, anyway, and he goes to me, and he's like, son, <laughs> you know, he's like, he just looks at me, he says, and he looks at me, and tears fills his eyes, and he just got me so much, he just looks at me, and he says, Son, this is what I do. I'm like, what? He's like, pray. This is what I do. This is it. This is it. Like, there's nothing else. He says, I'm an intercessor. I'm an intercessor. And because of it, the righteous right hand of the Lord is with me. And now we're raising the dead and we're seeing what we're seeing. God is looking for intercessors. God is looking for people that's going to stand in that gap. Because you see the outcome of this, of Zechariah 12, 10, it says, and they will look at me whom they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son, and they will weep bitterly over him as one who weeps bitterly over a firstborn. It's like he's saying, I'm going to pour out grace and intercession, and they're going to see me. They're going to mourn over the one whom they've pierced. You know, I've, I've been on this verse for years. I'm not, I'm not kidding. And I keep getting something out of it because the other day I was just sitting this week just praying in the upper room. Louisa, thank you for your house. You're awesome. Thank you always for your house, by the way. It's an amazing gift on your life, you know? And I mean it. It's a gift. Thank you. And I'm, I'm sitting in the upper room there and I'm just praying and I'm going, God, like... You know, let this happen, let this happen. And he starts speaking to me. He says, but it's got to happen with you first. Like, remember, you also pierced me. You know, just remember, let us not get familiar with God. Familiarity is what got Peter from keys to the kingdom, Matthew 16, to get behind me, Satan. He got familiar with the Lord. Familiar, ach, it's just Jesus. It's not just Jesus. It's not just the Father. It's not just the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going to pour this out and you're going to behold me. They're going to behold me and they will be mourning as one mourns for his firstborn son. When was the last time you broke just looking at the cross? When was the last time we just went, you know, like just think of your life where you were before Jesus and then you remember what he did and you remember his grace and it just got you. And you just looked at Jesus with no agenda. No, I don't want this. I don't want that. I just, I just want to look. I just want to behold you right now. We've got to get cut again. 
in our hearts by the gospel. We've got to mourn again for the Lord. This mourning is actually a groan. It's a groaning deep inside of us. Romans 8 speaks about this groan, right? He says that it starts with all of creation is in eager expectation, waiting for the revelation or the appearance or the revealing, whichever translation you're using, of the sons of God, right? And then it goes on and it says, we all know that creation has been put into this futility. It's been suffering since sin entered the world. And then it says, not only suffering, but it's been groaning. It's been groaning for its deliverance. It's like this, mm, some, it's deeper than words. Obviously, it's creation. So it's like the earth is going, where is the intercessors? Where is the deliverers that's going to set creation free? It's a groan in the spirit, right? It's a deep thing. And then it goes on and it says, then he speaks about the sons and he says, and we know that the sons as well, the children of God who got this first down payment, this deposit of the Holy Spirit, they are doing what? They are groaning, right? They are groaning for the fullness of God to enter into their lives, the fullness of what Jesus died for. It's, it's deeper than words. It's a, mm. you can't speak it, it's, it goes beyond it because you don't know what to pray anymore. We don't know what it is, but there's something in us that just goes, God, I must have you. Creation is crying. The sons are crying. And then here's the big one, right? Romans 8. It keeps going. I'm reading it out of my translation. I'm not telling you because when you get upset, then it's always that person. Says, I don't like that. I don't care if you like it or not. I like it. And it's not the only one I read. I read a lot, so shh. <laughs> I feel better. Verse 26 in my translation of Romans 8. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you. It says, and in a similar way, listen to this, and in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. I want you to say that, Holy Spirit... Take hold of me. Holy Spirit, take hold of me. Holy Spirit, I pray like Gideon. It says that you put Gideon on. You, he put you on. You, you, you used him like a coat. <laughs> like Gideon was your skin. You just, you possessed Gideon, Lord. And my prayer is today, would you possess us, Holy Spirit, Consume us, Lord. Take hold of us in our weakness and our frailty, Lord. Take hold of our hearts today. Let this groan be awakened, Lord. And he goes on and he says, for example, at times when we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for, but the Holy Spirit rises up within us. Whew. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede. I like that. To super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs and groanings too deep for words. That's what we want. We want a groan to come out of our spirit because we don't have the language. He's praying God's perfect will over our lives. He's praying for the fullness of the manifestation of this day in history, the resurrection day of Jesus Christ to come into fulfillment in our lives. 
and he's interceding for us, groaning before the Father, going, God, Father, release the glory that Jesus suffered for. Give the Lamb the reward for his suffering. That's the cry in the Spirit. It's this groan. It's us when we look at the world around us. I'm sorry, I cannot, but I love Cape Town so much, right? But I can, I, but my people, their families live in Kyalicha. Their families live in Mitchell's Plain. They are being slaughtered. That's no other word. They are being slaughtered. They're being slaughtered. The murder, the crime. I mean, this little girl that's with me, she's not here this morning. I wish you can hear. I wish you can just sit and listen to what's going on in their lives. And you go, Lord, so when I drive through Cape Town, I love it so much, but it's a mix because in my heart I'm thinking, that one lost his cousin there with a stabbing. That one was shot there. I know their names. They're, they're my people. And I go, Lord, and it's just one example. I'm going, Lord, what do we do here? And I don't have the words anymore. It's like there's just a cry on the inside that goes, God, I don't know what we need to do, but Lord, if you don't do it, the creation is groaning. We are groaning. The Spirit is groaning. Come. Come, Lord. It's the Spirit and the bride saying, come. That's what it is. It's Revelation, what, 21, 22. And the Spirit and the bride cries out, come, Maranatha. Come. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. That's it. That's what we have. This is the, it's an awakening inside of us because I'm telling you, without the groan, we're not going to see the glory. Without a desperation in our spirit, we're not going to see it. Frank Bottleman, the one who I spoke about with Azusa Street, that's what he said. He said at some point, he, he, was, he says, I was completely given to prayer. I would find myself in the middle of the night just waking up with groanings and sighs. And then he says this word and he said, and the church did not understand me. There's not a lot of people that want to lay down their lives in this. And yet it was one of the biggest outpourings in the history of the world that took place because of that. You know? John G. Lake, for 10 years, sought the Lord. 10 years he sought the Lord for the baptism and the Holy Spirit. He called it the lightnings of God. 10 years. And he was seeing stuff, he was seeing healings, and he just said, this is not it, there's something I'm not, I don't have, there's something I don't have. And he was groaning before God for years. And then one day, it steps into the room. And he says, it's like the lightnings of God struck me, and everything changed. Right? It's a groan in our hearts that goes, Lord, we want to behold Jesus. We want to see Jesus unveiled. We want to see Jesus revealed to creation. We want to see something we haven't seen before. Exodus 2, it speaks of, now it happened, uh, verse 23 and 25, it, now it happened after a long time, about 40 years, that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel groaned. They groaned and sighed of the bondage. And they cried out. And they cried for help because of their bondage ascended to God. So God heard their groanings and God remembered this covenant with Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel and took notice of them. Say, Lord, take notice of us. Lord, take notice of South Africa. 
Take notice of Cape Town. Take notice of my family. Take notice of my groanings and my sighs. Do not forget your covenant, Lord. And what was the response? He raised up Moses, the intercessor, the revivalist. Right? But something happened. They say there was this revival, in, the revival of the Hebrides. I don't know if you've heard about that. It was in, uh, what's the place, Scotland? No. Why don't you know? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> the Isle of Lewis, it's in Scotland, yeah. I was in the 60s, a man named Duncan Campbell. It's very interesting. The Bible that uh, Trump got in, whether you like him or not, I just thought it's interesting. The Bible that Trump used to get inaugurated on uh, was the Bible that the ladies that did the intercession, the ones that groaned before the Lord, that was the Bible that he used because that's his family line. Anyway, just interesting. So, but in that revival, there's these two ladies. I think it were Peggy and Sue Smith. I think that's the names. The one was blind and the other one had arthritis. Badly. Right, so like 81 and 82 or 91 and 93, I don't know, they were old, right? <laughs> and they groaned. They were just praying and praying and praying on this little island saying, Lord, when are you going to come and visit us? When are you coming to visit us? And they went to the pastor and they told him at some point, they said to him, uh, you love Jesus, but you definitely don't pray enough. These old ladies are just like, you're, you're, you're too lightweight for this, what's coming. And he's like, well, they're like, every revival is coming. And these ladies and these pastors are like, what are you talking about, lady? And they keep going, keep going, keep praying. Now, there's a man called Duncan Campbell. He's preaching in England at a big convention. He gets an invitation from that side. They don't know him, really. These tunnies know him, though. <laughs> it's amazing. And it's like 1,000 people sitting there. And the night before, the Lord says to him, listen, you need to go to this little place. And he's like, Lord, there's a lot of people in the room. I'm not canceling on this now. And again, he's sitting, he's about to go on to preach. And again, the Holy Spirit tells him, why are you still here? <laughs> I, I spoke to you. Anyway, so he jumps up, gets on a boat, gets on that side. When he got on that side... The guy that's driving the boat or whatever the story is, he looks at Duncan Campbell and they don't know him. There's no posters, there's no Wi-Fi, no Facebook, no nothing. And they look at him and they see him and they say, are you Duncan Campbell? Are you the preacher? And they go, how? I say, no, Peggy and Sue, they've been talking about you. We're, we've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. The point was their intercession released the revivalist. Right? This groan releases something in the spirit. David also knew about this. David spoke about it as well. He said, uh, Psalm, I'm going to find it. Psalm 5, verse 1 to 3. He says, listen to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning and sighing. Heed the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray in the morning, O Lord. You will hear my voice in the morning. I will prepare a sacrifice of prayer for you and watch and wait for you to speak to my heart. Samuel was born out of a groan. Right? Hannah sitting and just groaning before the Lord, saying, Lord, why is she getting pregnant? Why are you skipping me? What's happening, God? And she was just praying, praying. Eli started mocking her. He thought she's drunk, remember? And she's just pouring her heart out before God. And the Lord says, I've heard your prayer today. Samuel gets born, right? 
Samuel gets born. Samuel starts basically what we would call the, the, new, the, the Old Testament prophetic movement, right? Samuel becomes like a, a prototype of a prophet, and this is where we're going to tie the dream in in a minute, right? So Samuel becomes the prophet. I mean, you even see that Samuel had a school of the prophets because you see he had this company of prophets around him. So Samuel becomes a pioneer uh, in, in Scripture, in the faith for us, in terms of what he did. Like I said yesterday, not one of his words fell to the ground. This is Samuel, right? And like I said, the Lord spoke to me about him. And then the other day, the Lord spoke to me and he said, but what was Samuel's greatest legacy? And I thought, well, I mean, there's a lot there. But I immediately remember his greatest legacy would probably be, I guess, him anointing David as king, Right? Because that changed everything for Israel forever. That changed everything for us. It was an absolute shift in what was happening. So, so Hannah's groanings produced a Samuel. The people's groanings produces a David, right? And these two become a picture of the apostolic and the prophetic ministry in the Old Covenant. It's the prophet and the king that's moving together, and they lay a foundation, what we touched on yesterday, of this is how you see a nation drenched in the presence of God. This is the cornerstone. They laid a cornerstone, which is Christ. Everything was about the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, right? All of this birthed out of this place of intercession. All of it birthed out of this place. So, you see the apostolic... And I, I didn't, this is, I, I was standing here yesterday, we were all worshiping, it was so beautiful, and I kept seeing the face of an ox, I kept seeing the ox, the ox, the ox, and the Lord started speaking to me about the ox anointing, the ox is one of the faces of God, so you have the lion, the eagle, the ox, and the man, if you look in Revelation 4, so, so the, the, all of them represent something, right, and the ox represents an apostolic anointing, it represents the apostolic Okay, because what does an ox do? It breaks through fallow ground. The ox plows where the land is unfruitful. And the ox has the strength, and I want to say something, and the slowness. Because <laughs> an ox is not fast. He's slow, but there's power, but he plows. He just keeps digging and digging and digging. And he opens up ground that once was fruitful, but he opens it up so that it becomes fruitful again. He opens something that has never been seen before, and they open that up, right? It's that ox anointing, right? The ox anointing, Proverbs 14, verse 4, and that's kind of what David had. Proverbs 14, 4, it says, where, where no oxen are, the manger is clean. Okay, that's true. I don't know much, but it makes sense. Because if they're not there, then, you know. <laughs> but much increase comes by the strength of an ox. So that apostolic ox anointing, it releases increase in the spirit and strength. So it's increase and power, increase and power that the Lord is releasing, increase and power. That's what the apostolic does, right? 
It has the ability to take us from this level of supernatural to this level of supernatural. And the next time it comes and it raises the bar again of our spirituality, our nature, the foundational blocks of the gospel, right? That's what it does. It keeps bringing increase, increase, increase to the body of Christ. It breaks through the fallow ground and it brings strength. David prays, and I think Psalm 92, he says, release the strength of the wild ox in me. Thank you for giving me fresh oil, right? He says, uh, but my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. Power. Say power. Power. Like a wild ox, right? I have been anointed with fresh oil, right? So that's power and anointing. It's this ox thing that comes, right? The other thing about an ox is, is obviously it's castrated, right? Here's the beauty of that <laughs> is it cannot reproduce its own kind. It can only do what it's told. So it's a leader. It's a type of person that comes. And I'm not trying to rebuild Hank and the people around me. I'm trying to rebuild the Son of God and the people around me. I don't want to reproduce myself in you. I want to reproduce Jesus in you. That's an apostolic grace. It's not about me multiplying. It's about Christ multiplying through me into people, right? So they're castrated. They cannot produce after their own kind, after themselves. They're plowing through. They're plowing through. Um, The apostolic anointing is Exodus 25, verse 40. It's Moses on the mountain. And it's the Lord speaking to him after everything he's shown him. And the Lord goes and he says, And see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. That is the apostolic for me in a nutshell. Like, what I see in heaven, I build on the earth. Right? What I see in scripture, I build into my house. Now, I'm not talking about apostles and prophets only. We're going to get to that. But I'm talking about people that's apostolic in this hour, people that have the ox anointing so that you can break through the fallow ground of your own life, that you can build your family in the way that God asks us to do it. Godly order, godly discipline, all of those things, love of the Lord, you know, the nature of God in it, that you can do your marriage that way, that you can do your finances that way, your business, all of these things. It's the ability to see what the Lord says and how do I implement in my walk with God every day so that we have the right foundation, that we have the right cornerstone, right, that we are solid in that place, solid in that place. And I believe this is what the Lord wants to release today. Right, it's this groan, hopefully. It's this ox anointing so that we can see a shift in Cape Town. That we can see a shift in our own homes. Right? Like I say, the ox is not the prettiest thing, not the flashiest thing, not the fastest thing, but it sure gets the work done. Power. There's power. There's tenacity, patience. It just keeps going just keeps going, right? It's that strength that we need in this hour. So I had a dream. That's 
the dream now. So we, I had a dream at the, I don't know, it was somewhere the last quarter of last year. So such an interesting dream. And um, it definitely brought about a shift in my life, for sure. It was like, in a, you know, you have dreams, which is awesome. And then you have encounters in a dream, right? So this wasn't an encounter, right? And I... I don't get a lot of those, but when I get them, I know they, are, they mean business. It's like God is onto something, you know. So anyway, so I have this dream, and in the dream, I'm standing on an airport, and it's like this very fancy airport. I'm looking around, and, and I'm looking at the airport, and I see, it's going to be funny, maybe, but I see cheese, you know, those Swiss, those, those round cheese, you know, those beautiful, like, you know, this Heidi story, I always had those. <laughs> You're like, I want one of those, you know. And uh, I remember I flew through Amsterdam one time and you, you had these cheese. It was so beautiful. It just looks like you want to, you know. Anyway, so, um, and I'm looking at the shop on the airport and it's selling this cheese. And I'm going, oh, man, I would love to have this. This is so awesome. And I'm, I'm just looking at it, just this desire in my heart, man, I need cheese, right? <laughs> so now all of you are going to get hungry. And, um, and I, but I look at my pockets and I go, man, I don't, just don't have enough money. This thing is crazy expensive. There's no ways I can buy it. You know, I don't have enough credit cards or anything to, to fix this, which we don't do in any way, but that shouldn't be. And, uh, and the next minute I realize my travel companion is Bill Johnson. So he's standing right next to me. So I'm going, you know, I'm chatting to Bill. We're old buddies. <laughs> and he just kept thanking me for my profound messages and how it changed his life. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so, so he, and he goes and he says, oh, do you want the cheese? I'm like, yeah, I would love to have the cheese. And the next minute he takes out a roll of cash. He puts it in my hand and he, and he puts it in my hand and he says, um, go and buy the cheese for you and for your seven friends. And that's the end of the dream, right? So I'm going, okay, I'm, I'm waking up out of this and I'm going, okay, that's interesting. There's a lot of cheese, a lot of stuff in here. So this is what I want to share with you. Like I felt what it was about that day is, is there's a lot in the dream, but God released apostolic currency in that dream. Okay? Bill Johnson represents apostolic ministry. That's his office. And in that moment, I'm looking at stuff that I cannot afford because cheese actually speaks of maturity and it speaks of glory in Scripture. And I believe what he was trying to tell me in the dream is like there's a maturity that the Lord wants to deposit in the body in this season. The body must grow up and become strong. There's a glory he wants to release in the season. But we don't have the currency to buy it unless it's flowing from an apostolic flow. And that's not saying anything. It's just saying I'm just telling you what the dream was about. The seven is very interesting. Seven can mean lots of things. But what was very fascinating to me is the first thing that the Lord pointed me to is that David ran and his order from his father-in-law was, I want you to take cheese to your seven brothers. So his service set him up for Goliath. Okay? So his servant heart set him up to defeat Goliath. And I believe that this ox anointing, this apostolic thing that the Lord is trying to release in the body, and again, that's got, it's a dream, so I'm releasing the dream over you and what was in the dream. It doesn't say anything about me or not. That's not the point, right? But there's grace for, for increase, Proverbs 14 verse 4, for increase and strength. 
And I feel like some of us sat in a season where we didn't feel we had the resource. And I'm not talking about this resource only, although that's true as well. But the heavenly resource to pull the vision that God has given us. And the Lord wants to impart something to us today. To create a shift. There's a maturity that He's introducing into the body. Because if we, if we can be very honest with ourselves for a minute, if I think back at COVID and I see some of the stuff that the church got into, I'm going, whoa, we look like idiots. We really did. If I saw how people just freaked out and lost, lost connection with God in that time, I'm going, how, do you, how does it happen that the church is closed for a couple of weeks and you don't have a relationship with the Lord anymore? So how deep was this thing in the first place? You know, how mature are we really? It's a good question for me too, right? But he wants to deposit this thing. He wants to release something. Because the airport speaks of transition and liftoff. Transition and liftoff. We are about to liftoff. Really, it's true. I know it. That's why it's intense. That's why we're feeling what we're feeling. There's a launch. There's definitely a launch coming from the Lord, but we don't have currency to step into maturity. But the Lord is wanting to release His intercessors in this hour. And that's what what I want to pray for you this morning is that as a body, that that ox anointing would flow even stronger than it's already flowing here. It's already here. I know that. It's It's not news. But it's something about that needs to increase in this hour, and we just need to see this thing break through. Isaiah 10, 27, and, and the, the anointing will break the yoke, right? It's interesting, maybe some of you can correct me on that, but it's very interesting. I, what, what I say is because the, the yoke would rest on the ox, right? That's, that's the way they would plow the field. But it's an interesting thing because the ox, actually some of them, and, and it seems like the ones they used in those times in Israel, that had like oil in their hump. So what the ox would do is he would step back, and as he steps back, the oil would be released and it would break the yoke, right? And that's kind of what I feel we're in the season. It's like what you said. It's when the tsunami comes, it pulls back and we're pulling back. And what's happening is God is pouring his oil out, this apostolic grace, and that yoke is going to snap and something's going to start breaking out on us in this season. That's the launch, right? That's the launch, okay? So I want to pray into that this morning. If that's okay. Is that okay? <laughs> so we want to pray into that. I want to pray because the other thing is apostolic anointing brings clarity. It's got the ability to see and know what to do. It's got clarity, ability to see. And a lot of us, we're not clear right now. We need clarity. We really need clarity in our own hearts about stuff. We just that clarity of the Lord. And I know God wants to release that thing. Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.